Welcome to the Stanfast Podcast. Of course, you know, if you are listening, you knew it was a Stanfast Podcast, but I'm your host, Colby. Uh, if you are listening, I'd appreciate it if you would maybe follow and uh, turn on the notifications and maybe share with your friends or people you think that would like the podcast. But, you know, if you don't like the podcast, you don't have to listen. So you could just do something else, quit wasting your time. Uh, but I do appreciate the consideration. I'm not a very entertaining person. Or at least I don't really consider myself a very entertaining person. I don't feel like I entertain people very well, which is probably part of the reason why my podcast isn't, you know, wildly popular. Um, also, probably the fact that I'm mostly off of social media doesn't help. I'm trying to get that better where I po- post stuff on social media. Um, but I'm kind of new to it, so I'm not very good at it. Uh, anyway, this is uh, the first episode of the Locked In series of the one of the new things I'm doing this year in 2024. Uh, most of these are going to be filmed in my dorm room. This one, however, is not currently being filmed in my dorm room. But, you know, you can't, they, you know, I guess they can't all be filmed in my dorm room just because of the way things work out in my schedule. Uh, but this is a much better environment anyway. It's probably quieter. Uh, I, I expect a lot of interruptions, disruptions, I guess I should say, uh, while filming in my dorm room because uh, the people across the hall from me are very, very loud. But uh, anyway, really just... This is a time where I get to talk about pretty much whatever I want. Uh, a lot of it's going to have to do with, you know, I, I'm a, I am a college a student athlete. I'm a college student. And so there's a lot of things to talk about just from that, just from my classes. Um, but also, you know, just, just the Bible, most importantly, because, you know, it's the Word of God. That's, that's where we get our knowledge and, wi- or I guess, our wisdom from. And uh, also politics and, and science and history and all sorts of stuff, whatever I kind of feel like talking about a- any given day. But, you know. Uh, it's 2024 and this my second semester actually just started it started off on a kind of weird note uh if anyone's been paying attention to midwest weather uh i'm in kansas and the weather is horrible i mean i, I heard it's even worse in in like iowa and such uh which is interesting um or i guess not i guess i would say interesting kind of funny timing considering that the iowa caucus is open uh here really soon but uh, it's interesting. Actually, by the time this episode comes out, the Iowa caucuses would have already opened. Uh, but anyway, it's freezing cold in Kansas. It snowed more this year in this in my area of Kansas than it has probably snowed in the last decade. Uh, just tons of snow, very cold, very icy. Uh, and so anyway, for my second semester of classes, uh, classes were canceled for the first few days. So I've I actually haven't had very many classes. It's supposed to start a week ago and uh, through the week we had a uh, monday tuesday wednesday off uh thursday i only have one class on thursdays anyway and then i had friday and then it was the weekend so not a lot of things happening as far as uh, my second semester of schooling so far but i expect that to pick up and i'll more to talk about but i did get introduced into all my classes um so the, the, well almost all my classes i guess I, there's one class i missed because i only have it monday wednesdays and obviously we didn't have a, we didn't have classes those days um for my first week but uh, I'm, I'm taking so first semester, I didn't do a lot of podcast episodes, and the reason being is because I was super busy and it was kind of hard to try and balance that with everything else. And also, uh, first semester my classes sucked. <laughs> I mean, I, I really didn't like any of them. Uh, I had a biblical literature class, uh, which I don't really want to talk about. I I would have a lot to talk about if I talked about my biblical literature class and the kind of kind of theology I was faced with. I, it was really disappointing, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit, but just Christian schools in America, or just overall now, are just disappointing. I mean, I, I expected to be going to, I, I go to a Christian school, supposedly, and I, I 
expected to at least go into what I thought was a more conservative Christian school. But even the more quote-unquote conservative Christian schools are still off the rails anymore. I mean, unless you go to a select handful of select Bible colleges in the U.S., there's really just not much to choose from anymore. It's really disappointing. And D1 schools, I mean, if you go to a like a big school anymore, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's really any. I mean, maybe Liberty University is one, but I really can't think of any that really are still, you know, good, solid, conservative Christian schools. The one I go to claims to be conservative, uh, but they're not. They're not actually remotely conservative in my in my opinion. Uh, but of course, you know, I'm a fundamentalist, so I have a really probably a different idea of conservative than most do anyway, any or anymore. But I had a biblical literature class last semester at uh, English Comp 1, which was by far my favorite class. Uh, shout out to my professor. Uh, he was very great. Uh, he was my favorite professor of the semester. Uh, I had a Theology 1 class. That was probably my second least favorite class. Again, just, just the doctrine I was presented with and the, the ideology and the theology of the professor. Uh, just disappointing stuff. And, and that's a theology class. You know, that's in the ministry department of this Christian school. Uh, which actually I have found that the ministry department is is further from the truth than probably the rest of the departments, uh, which is interesting. Uh, what other classes did I have? I had a uh, first year seminar class. Uh, that I guess that's just a thing freshmen have to take. Uh, that was really boring and a waste of time. I had an art class. I had an art class. Get okay. This is this is absurd. I had an art class, and I had a final in the art class. And the final was that we were supposed to get up and sing karaoke. And which is funny, but it's weird anyway. So and you got a random partner and you got a random song that the professor chose. So about two or three days, maybe four days before the final, I got the song. I was emailed the song and uh, emailed who my partner was going to be, who I did not know. I didn't know who he was. And we were supposed to get up then on a stage and sing this karaoke song. The song I got was the uh, the theme song from Friends. Uh, I'll be there for you, I think is what it's called. Uh, it's a song. I wasn't actually familiar with it, which I was kind of shocked that I wasn't. But uh, I, yeah, I had not heard the song before, so I was new to this song. But anyway, it's this karaoke thing. And so, okay, I am not a very good singer. I love music. I think music is one of the greatest joys God has given man. I mean, I, I tremendously love music a lot. And I love older music. I love 60s and 70s music a whole lot. Um, I'm not a very good singer, though. I'm not super talented that way you know i don't i don't play instruments i'm I'm not good at that kind of stuff but i I really do enjoy music um the the, my partner i didn't know him very well at all and just the whole experience was just not very good i'm not very good at putting myself out there in that way i'm i feel very comfortable speaking publicly i mean i give sermons in front of a church i i can speak uh give speeches to crowds doesn't bother me whatsoever but doing something like that it's a little different so i'm not quite as outgoing when it comes to that type of thing like making a kind of making i feel like it's just making a fool of yourself for inner for a waste of really i think it's a waste of time but anyway it went very poorly uh the song cut halfway through the song like they had a they had a trouble with the you know whatever tech tech they had a tech problem and and the music stopped halfway through our song so the whole experience was terrible but anyway just mind you this is a college class that a fine the final for this class was karaoke. This was the final that we did. We did the karaoke. I got off stage. Next thing I know, I checked my grades. I got a thirty. I'm pretty sure I got thirty five out of seventy five for this final. So basically, I failed the final. So which is it was okay because my grade in the class overall was okay. So it really didn't hurt me too bad. But I thought that was like absurd. I mean, come on. It's a 
the final the premise of the final is absurd anyway um it didn't go very well part of that was out of our control okay you can't you can't greats i mean if it was based off of our singing that's ridiculous because you can't expect everyone to be great singers it was based off of our performance and how much we put into it anyway you can't judge off of that anyway because i thought it was a waste of time i was i wasted three minutes of my life on top on that stage singing karaoke that was the dumbest thing i've ever done maybe not the dumbest thing i've ever done but it was a waste of time okay the other kid i'm pretty sure he felt like it was a waste of time too so overall the experience was not very good and he graded it super harshly so i have no idea you know what did he want from what what did he expect from us but you know whatever it's okay i'm i'm past it i you know forgive and forget but <laughs> i just i just thought that was crazy anyway so that was another class i had was an art class i'm gonna try and sum this up so i can get to this year's or this yeah this semester's classes uh other classes i had oh gosh i had a world civ class that was a uh, really hard but i i kind of enjoyed it the, the the interesting thing is is our professor in world civ class very nice guy one of my one of my uh one of more of my favorite professors uh he was christian he was a uh, not he was a creationist he did not believe in evolution uh but the textbook we were using was a smithsonian textbook and it it promoted evolution so it really didn't really make sense what the professor was telling us was different than what the textbook was saying so i don't know why you don't just get a different textbook uh, but anyway world civ class was all right because i love history but um the, it was a lot of busy work it was a hard class as far as uh, homework and stuff and I'm trying to think about if I had any other classes I'm forgetting about. Let's see, theology class, already said that. Biblet, already said that. English, uh, art class, world civ. I'm pretty sure that was was all my classes. Um, so that, that was an interesting first semester. Uh, Education-wise, did not enjoy it. Basketball-wise, I'm a basketball player. Um, was awesome. I mean, we, we weren't winning games, but yeah, I was having fun. So there's at least that. But anyway, uh, skip ahead to now. It's 2024 started the second semester and uh i have a lot of new classes and i think this semester is going to go well uh, uh i have a biology class that uh, i've only had one class class uh, period so far but it went really well and i think i like my f professor he's a creationist which is interesting because i'm i'm not sure anybody in the ministry department's a creationist uh they're all you know into theistic evolution or whatever whatever the heck they're into uh but i'm pretty sure my bi biology teacher professor is a creationist I think he uh, he he seems like he's pretty grounded. Uh, he's he starts class with a devotion, uh, not King James version, but that's you know I lower my expectations anymore because no one seems to have any care for the inerrancy of the Word of God anymore. Uh, but you know I, he seems like a pretty cool guy, and I like biology. I think it's an important study, especially for Christians. I think the study of evolution, the study of living things. I mean that's one of the, I think the greatest evidences we have of intelligent design is through biology, is through that kind of science. So I think I'll enjoy the class. It's going to be a hard class. There's already a lot of homework that we have to do, which is interesting. Uh, and I kind of want to talk about that too. Actually, I'll go ahead and say that. You know, it's interesting because at this institution and my biology teacher, who again, I already like him. I mean, from my first impressions, I already like him. But he made a very, he made a point to emphasize several times that supposedly as a student, you are supposed to spend for every hour you spend in a classroom, you're supposed to spend two to three hours outside the classroom for that class. Now, I have five uh, five classes throughout the week. Uh, so let's just say on the low end, which this isn't the way it works for every class of mine, but let's just say for the low end, that's an hour per class period. So that's five hours, right? So let's just say again, on the low end, we spend two hours for every hour in class. So let's double, you double that. So that's 10 hours. 
10 hours a day that I'm spending on schoolwork. Um, oh, wait, that's not even how it works either. No, because then you have to add the five hours of the class period. So that's 15 hours. Uh, I don't have, I guess I don't have five cars. So, so, you, so it was really about 12 and a half, just 12 and a half hours a day just on school. Uh, it just so happens that at the school I'm going to, it's a smaller school. Uh, almost everybody's a student athlete. So like I'm a student athlete. So just say on the low end, I spend three hours a day for my sport. So what, what's that? We have 12 and a half plus three. So that's 15 and a half hours of my day taken up between sports and school. I have to eat. So two hours a day, that's another two hours, that's 17 and a half hours a day. That's already taken up of my time. That just leaves what seven hours of sleep for me with absolutely no room for pre time. So that, that uh, notion that you have to spend that much time outside of class period. This is a part of the same issue I have with the public education system or, or just a traditional schooling system we have in like high school and grade school right now. They spend eight hours a day at school and then they're expected to spend another, what, two to five hours of homework after school. You know, if you're going to get them for that much of the day, you can you can teach what you need to teach in eight hours. You You, you don't even really need eight hours. What you need is like four or five hours. And you can teach them what you, they need to know. So it's kind of the same thing here. Like if you can't tell me what I need to know in the class period, and then, you know, I'm not saying I'm completely against homework. You know, you got to have homework a little bit. But if you can't teach me what I need to know for the most part in the class period, then I don't really think you're doing a very good job. I mean, honestly, we take notes, you know, just tell students to take notes. And if they don't take notes, they don't do well in the test. And that's their fault anyway. They fail, they fail the class. So that notion that you have to spend that much time outside of class, I think is a little bit um, a little bit absurd, but that's beside the point. Aside from that philosophy of the professor, I really do think I'll like this biology class, even though it'll be a lot of work. So some other classes uh, that I'll have, I have a uh, English comp two, that'll be just like English comp one, I think, but maybe a little bit harder. Same professor as English comp one. So I, I love him. He's a great professor. So that's English comp one. I learned the most in that class, way more in that class than I did any other class I did. I had last semester. So that, that, that should all go very well. Uh, what else do I have? I have a civic and moral leadership seminar that is, uh, it is uh, taught by the campus pastor, which I am to start, to start by putting it lightly. I am in strong disagreements with the campus pastor on a lot of things. Uh, and so I don't know how much I'm going to like that class. It's only two days a week and I'm sure there's no homework. I hope, I pray there's no homework. So I think it'll be okay. Cause it won't be that hard, but that's another class I have. And, uh, uh another, and then, oh, I have a, a fitness and wellness class, which is fine because it's only two days a week and it's no, there's no extra work, no tests, just a couple of like labs and, uh, sitting in a classroom for 50 minutes two days a week. So that, that can't be that bad. Uh, oh, and then I have, so, so here's kind of the backstory. Originally I was supposed to have both a, uh, foundations of philosophical thought class and a Genesis class, both with the same professor that taught my biblical literature class. And again, just to put it lightly, you're going to hear me talk about this professor a lot, uh, because he's an apostate, but just to put it lightly, I, again, I'm in very, very, very strong disagreements with this professor and a whole lot of things. And uh, anyway, he taught my biblical literature class. And so I, I knew 
that I wouldn't like him as a professor and probably wouldn't like his classes, especially if he was teaching about anything on the Bible. So I, I wanted to drop both of these classes, but I ended up only being able to drop the Genesis class and then I replaced that with my fitness and wellness class, uh, which I'm glad because he's a, I believe he's a theistic evolutionist. He doesn't believe in a literal, he doesn't believe the book of Genesis, the first 11 chapters of Genesis are literal history. So I don't know what he believes, but it, it can't be, it can't be true. So I, I knew I wouldn't like the Genesis class. So I'm glad at least I got rid of that. But I still have to take this Foundations of Philosophical Thought class. And oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I'm going to hate this class. The only thing that's going to make it bearable is that I have a really good friend that takes the same class. That's the only reason that this class is going to be bearable. I mean, I cannot, it's, it's just really hard for me to sit down under false teaching and just just have to listen and not be able to you know say anything. Because I've already already tried to say stuff to this professor. This guy is, is just, he's just off the rails. He's too far gone. He, I mean... I, it just, it, at least it seems like it. I just feel like he, he's really, I think the problem is, is that we have fundamentally different presuppositions. I believe the word of God is perfect and inerrant. He does not, you know, so just starting with that presupposition, we can't really get anywhere as far as agreement goes. So it's just going to be really hard for me. Uh, I, I pray that he, you know, turns to the truth of the word of God and that he does turn from this. So I'm not, I, you know, I don't hate him. I love him with, you know, charitable charitable brotherly love uh, i pray that he saved um but it, it's just it's absurd some of the teachings that that he is you know and, and again this is a christian school a lot of students that go to this school aren't christians you know they come to this this might be their first impression of christianity he's like the head he's one of the biggest voices maybe the most influential voice in the ministry department you know i i just hurts me to think about the damage he's probably done to the work of the kingdom of god uh, the damage he's done to to souls and to lives because of the type of things that he teaches. I mean, it, it's really it all goes along with what I I believe the rise of biblical unbelief. I mean, when you start to question the inerrancy of God's word, I mean, you start to really go down a slippery slope that uh, it really damages people's faith. And when you're being taught this, when you have a professor that believes this, that, that has this biblical unbelief, doesn't believe the word of God is inerrant, uh, then you have you're going to have teaching that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt people's faith. It's going to hurt uh, the work of the kingdom of God, of the church. And I, I really disappoints me that there's there's a Christian school, a supposedly conservative Christian school that has uh, this kind of teaching. But anyway, I have this uh, foundations of physical, physical, phil, sorry, um, I apologize. It's really hard to say because there's a lot of f sounds. Uh, foundations of philosophical thought. I'm going to call it philosophy class. That, uh, that's going to be easier. I have a philosophy class with this professor. And it's already hard because here's the deal. This professor, I've had a few conversations with him. One of them was because another student, I had been talking to another student in the ministry department about Bible versions, translations. Uh, I was opening his eyes to the truth of uh, the, the, the truth of the text receptus being the received text and, and textual criticism and, and the truth uh, behind uh, the, the lies of modern Bible translations and modern textual criticism. Uh, the student was almost receptive. He, he had an interesting reason for not uh, for not agreeing with my argument, which I don't think I don't want to share that because I, you know, I like this student and I don't want to uh, I don't want to embarrass him or anything. Uh, but anyway, he he went to this professor and he had some questions about this. Anyway, the professor wanted to talk to me about this uh, issue of Bible translations, uh, and this let me just say 
it's hard to talk to, again it's hard to talk to anybody with fundamentally different presuppositions especially on this topic when he doesn't believe the word of god is inerrant and perfect and i do i mean we're not going to come to any sort of good conversation anyway but you know i am i try to be agreeable so i agree to have a discussion with him and the kind of things i learned uh, i mean first of all he does not believe that the word of god is perfect uh, he believes that there are you know problems in the manuscripts that they have not been preserved as god promised that they are not inerrant as God promises. And yet he holds to the belief, I believe he does, of biblical inspiration. So he believes that even though the Bible is not perfect, it's inspired, which again, uh, that doesn't really add up. He also is very much into spirituality. He believes he is, <laughs> I just I just don't get it. He believes that he has been, he's, he believes he's been a part of exorcism and that he has uh, cast out demons which again, he has no basis to believe anything about spirituality or anything about anything spiritual if he doesn't believe that the word of God is true anyway. So again, another contradiction in his uh, beliefs. And that's just really one of many. Uh, and I would say, I, actually, I would say anybody who denies the inerrancy of God really has no foundation for or basis for their faith. You know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible tells us that the foundations be destroyed. What can the righteous do? The word of God is Jesus, the word of Jesus Christ for our salvation. That is the foundation of our faith. You know, the word, we, it comes by hearing. We have to hear the word of God, you know, without the gospel, without the word of God, how would we hear, you know, of Jesus and of salvation? So we have to hear the word of God to be saved. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if you don't believe the word of God is perfect, you believe it is, it, it has fault, then really you have no base. You have no foundation for your faith. And again, this is a man who claims to be a Christian who does not believe that the word of God is inerrant. Uh, he, there is no then, I don't believe he has any foundation even for his faith. So a lot of contradictions, I think, just in those beliefs, which I find very interesting. Um, I could go on. But anyway, that, those are just some of the basic things. This is a guy then who, while I'm sitting down in philosophy class, says that part of the goal of this class is to make sure that we, the students, are consistent with our, the students' beliefs. And I just, I would almost fell over in my chair. Like, the heck is he talking about? That we're consistent. He is the most inconsistent person I've ever met. That you cannot be consistent with your beliefs if you call yourself a Christian, but don't believe the word of God is true. If, if you call yourself a Christian, uh, but you believe the word of God is a fault, which he does very much so, admittedly, if you don't believe the word of God has been preserved, if you believe it, it, it contains, it contains the, the manuscripts contain contextual emendations, which in the Nestle Allen 27th edition, it contains a hundred of them. So you think the Greek manuscripts are very flawed. You have no basis even for your faith. And yet you're going to tell me that I need to make sure my beliefs aren't in, in, in conflict, aren't in contradiction, that I'm consistent with my beliefs. Mm -hmm. I tell you what, I try my best to be consistent with my beliefs. I'm sure that I fail in some areas. Nobody's perfect, obviously. But when it comes to like glaring discrepancies in my belief system, I honestly, I don't think I have any like that. Maybe there are. And please, if anyone who listens to this and knows me and thinks that I do, call me out on it. But I believe the word of God is inerrant. I am a Christian. Well, because I believe the word of God is inerrant, I believe it when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I believe it when the, the Bible says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I believe it that when it says that when it is by faith alone, that it is not of works, lest any man should boast. I believe that 
and I put my salvation in God. Because I believe the word of God is inerrant, I believe in a literal six-day creation. Because I believe the word of God is inerrant, I believe when it says that, you know, Satan's walking up and down in the earth and that there's spiritual warfare in, in, in high places, I believe that stuff. I, I have a reason to believe in demons and in spiritual things. Um, but if you don't believe the word of God is inerrant, I mean, the, your whole faith really starts to crumble. I mean, you, you can start making up really whatever you want. There cannot be, there absolutely cannot be any authoritative preaching of the word of God if you don't believe the word of God is true. I mean, this is this is fundamental. And I think the Bible, uh, and again, I think part of it takes faith. And, and that was one of the things, one of the discussions, part of the discussion we were having when we talked about Bible versions, is this professor asked me, and I would have changed my answer. I'm very disappointed in myself. I was talking more than I should have. I should have been listening more. But uh, he asked me if there was, aside from faith, that was interesting. He made, he really wanted to make a point that beside faith, you know, leave faith out of it. But he said, beside faith, is there any way to be certain of the inerrancy of the Bible. And I, at the time I said, no, and I would, I would change my answer at the time. My, but what I, what I should have said is yes, because there is absolutely, you can have absolute certainty that the word of God is perfect and true. You know why? Because it says it is. Does that take faith to believe? Absolutely. But that's the point. That's the point. You know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but you have to have faith that the word of God is true. If you're going to believe it, you know, it's just like anything. It pretty much almost any belief you're going to have is going to take some level of faith. You know, if you even when you break it down to the foundation, everyone's going to have presuppositions that take some level of faith. Everyone has faith in something. Atheists say they have confidence, uh, which just means, you know, confide, which with faith. So literally, even the word confidence means with faith. So everyone has faith in something. And I have faith that the word of God is true. And that is the foundation, the basis of my belief. You know, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know, on the Christ of solid rock, I'll stand. You know, this is this is the solid rock. This The, the church I intend is called Solid Rock Bible Church because we stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and on his word. And I just, I, I, I don't know. I was baffled when he's trying to tell me that I need to make sure my beliefs are consistent, that I am not in conflict with myself when he has glaring discrepancies in his belief system glaring discrepancies in his belief system um so in short i'm gonna hate this class philosophy class but you know i know how to get through it I've, I've been in one of his classes i know how to get through it I'll, I'll be okay you know pray for me people please pray for me but uh i think i'll, I'll think i'll be okay i'll get through it uh i'll, I'll just you know try and keep myself from being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine um, and not be caught up in any sort of heresy, even maybe without realizing it. Uh, it'll give me something to battle, something to think about, something to keep myself trained and, uh, you know, being a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it'll give me a good reason for all that kind of stuff. And the rest of my classes are going to be great this semester. So I'm really, I think it'll be good. Uh, at least I hope the rest of my classes are going to be great. And I am very thankful real praise God that I got out of the Genesis class because I can't imagine having to sit through philosophy class and then sit through a Genesis class with the same professor. I would go bonkers. Um, but anyway, so that's what I have so far, the introduction to my uh, 2024 semester. Uh, interesting stuff. And um, again, so just, just thinking about Christian schools in general. Um, I, again, I, it's just disappointing, I think, in my mind that it, it's just it's so hard to find a good solid Christian institution anymore to go to college. 
and to actually get Christian teaching. And another thing I find interesting, it seems as though that it's the theology department. It's the ministry department that where most of the biblical and theological fault lies. My biology teacher is a creationist. I don't know for sure, but I'm not sure if anybody in the theology and ministry department is a creationist. Uh, I know for sure one of them can't be consistently. Uh, I know, uh, I would assume that most of my professors believe that the word of God is inerrant and true and, and uh, believe that Genesis 1 through 11 is a little history. I know for a fact that I don't think anybody in the ministry department, none of their, none of those professors or the campus pastor believe that the word of God is inerrant and perfect. Uh, the campus pastor himself, I'm pretty sure doesn't believe that the book or Jonah is, or that Jonah even existed. So, you know, I don't know where you, what kind of absurdity he got that from. Uh, but I'm just telling you, and one big thing is I found interesting is that, uh, th this one big difference, and this is, this is a really quite a large, uh, very important topic is that my biology teacher, sorry, if you hear the page turning, if that's really loud, I'm, I'm trying to get in my notebook here. Uh, but it's that, so this one professor I have for philosophy class and that I had in biblical literature class, I don't know for sure. But I know he doesn't believe in a literal six-day creation. He believes there were long periods of time. So I would assume he uh, ascribes to theistic evolution. If that is the case, that is the most inconsistent belief that you can possibly have while calling yourself a Christian. This is why. Uh, uh, just a few. Just these are just a few reasons here. One, we can trace the dates through genealogies. We know for a fact because the Bible tells us, and we believe the Bible is inerrant and true that there were 1,656 years from creation to the flood, or at the very least from the creation of Adam to the flood. So if, if you're going to start with just that metric, at, from the time Adam was created to the flood, 1,656 years. That's not very long. Uh, if you were to say that there was long periods of time before the creation of Adam, that also does not hold up for one. Genesis 1, 1, the very first Bible or verse in the Bible, contradicts the Big Bang Theory. Because the Big Bang says that there, that there were stars, there were nebulas, but that there were no planets in the beginning. And for sure, the earth was not in the beginning. But the Genesis 1-1 clearly states in the beginning was the heaven and the earth. So the earth was in the beginning. You also have to think about uh, context here. Just, just looking at uh, passages like in Exodus, Exodus 8, where the context infers that it was a literal six-day creation. And Genesis 5, again, we have genealogies with exact years, which, again, just, just going back to the basis of this, and I'm going to keep going through this a little bit, but um, the, really what I'm trying to get as a premise of theistic evolution, you really have to deny the Bible. And, and again, it, it's it, I think theistic evolution, it did. It rose along with biblical unbelief. And you have these professors and you have these so-called theologians that start to ascribe to these new the uh, new ideas, new theologies, because they feel like they have to have the, they have to have some, you know, Gnostic knowledge. They have to have some special knowledge about the Bible and about things to make themselves smarter. So they have a better career, yada, yada, yada. So a lot of them don't believe the Bible anymore anyway. Uh, but you really do. You have to start to deny the Bible. And the more you deny the Bible, the obviously you then take away from its inerrancy and then you really can't say anything in the Bible is true. There, again, no authoritative, uh, you can't have any authoritative preaching from the Bible then because, you know, it could be this, it could be that, it could be true, it could not be true. We could find a manuscript in two days that tells us something completely different and we'll have to trust it because, you know, it's older and it's better and it does this and that and we found it at a place that is better than we had the old ones. Again, very inconsistent belief itself. Uh, but also just thinking about the fossil record itself. And this, this is actually, when I started studying creation 
and uh, stuff with like Answers in Genesis and Ken Ham. Shout out to my boy who I've never met, but I think he's a great guy. <laughs> uh, when I started studying creation and and evolution and this kind of stuff, one thing that the, I think the thing that the biggest, the biggest the thing I learned that convinced me of creation was looking at the fossil record. Because the fossil record itself contradicts theistic evolution. If we take the dates given by evolutionists and theistic evolutionists of the fossil record, that millions and millions and millions of years old, and we find these bones, these dinosaurs, these animals that supposedly lived before man some millions, billions of years ago, what we find is that, well, we find fossils, which means things died. We find tumors, that there was cancer, there was disease. We find mosquitoes that sucked blood. We find, you know, thorns and thistles and, and all sorts of harsh vegetation. We find predator, we find animals eating other animals. But the moral of the story is we find death. And this is all supposedly happening before the time of man. But the Bible is very clear in Romans 5.12 that, you know, that sin came by man, came from Adam, but that death came by sin. So death entered the world as a result of sin. But if Adam and Eve were not yet alive, if they had not had the opportunity to sin yet, then why was there death before them? It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense in the biblical context. And this was the biggest, most convincing uh, argument in my uh, studies of creation for myself is to really think about that. You know, that doesn't make sense. How could there be death before sin? If the Bible clearly states that death came as a result of sin. Uh, we also know that animals that or yeah animals and uh, people were vegetarians in the beginning and we see in the fossil record animals that were carnivores and omnivores and that were not uh, uh, vegetarians or herbivores I guess is scientific term uh, another thing the evolutionary doctrine of uniformitarianism uh, contradicts the biblical truth of sin entering the world. If everything has always continued as it has been and nothing's ever, you know, there has not been a big change in the world. If, if from the beginning there was death and all this stuff, uh, then the, again, that contradicts the Bible because the Bible says that death was a result of sin entering the world. The world is cursed with sin. We read this in Genesis that part of the curse was that uh, uh, labor for women was going to be hard, that the ground was going to be hard to, to plow, that the Lord was, the earth was going to bring forth, or the Lord through the, was going to allow the earth to bring forth, you know, uh, thistles and thorns and all sorts of things, and that the, the earth was not going to be easy to plow and to work. All this stuff came as a result of sin. Again, this does not add up in the evolutionary timeline. In order the, or sorry, the order of creation itself contradicts theistic evolution. Uh, the the Bible says that water covered the earth in the beginning. Again, the earth was in the beginning. The Bible says water covered the earth. According to evolution, the Big Bang theory, there was not water on the earth for billions of years. You know, the earth it was a, just a desert volcanic lava wasteland, and any water would have evaporated into space. Uh, so again, the order of creation accounted in the Bible contradicts. Uh, evolutionary theory or, or Darwinian, I guess that's, yeah, in theory, Big Bang Theory and evolutionary theory. Uh, it also says that stars were made after the earth. In evolution, the Big Bang Theory would say that stars came much, much, much uh, before the earth. Uh, again, just all of this contradicting evolutionary theory, it, it really makes theistic evolution not a viable option if you're going to hold the doctrine of biblical inerrancy. If you're going to believe the word of God, if you're going to trust the word of God, which I do, I believe the word of God, I believe is perfect and inerrant, then you cannot hold consistently a view of theistic evolution. 
Mark 10, 6 says man was created in the beginning. If, if it wasn't a literal six days, then man wasn't created in the beginning. Man was created billions and millions of years after the earth was formed. Again, does not add up. The Bible is clear. The Bible is very clear. And again, this is ultimately a result of that sin, of Adam and Eve's sin, is that now man is sinful and we come up with sinful doctrines. But the Bible is very clear. It was a literal six-day creation. The earth was in the beginning, that it was covered with water, that man was in the beginning, and that death came as a result of man's sin. And again, this is the, I think this is important because this really is a question of authority. Is the Bible perfect? Is it inerrant? Does it hold authority? Because if it is, if it has fault at even just one point, if it has fault, then none of it can be trusted as the word of God. None of it can be trusted for me, at least for my salvation. Because if it, if any of any of it's inerrant, that doesn't make it any different than Romeo and Juliet or Julius Caesar or any other history book or or a work of literature. No different than The Hobbit or no different than the Smithsonian textbook I used in my World Civ class. I could put my faith in any of those books. I mean, what's the point then? It is an essential doctrine to Christianity, the uh, inerrancy of the Word of God, that is inspired by God, that is perfect, that has been preserved to all generations. And uh, again, just disappointing. I feel like this is something that's become, or has come under attack, especially in the American church. Uh, people just don't believe in the inerrancy of God's Word. I mean, you, the NIV Bible is the most popular, best-selling Bible in the world, and it's a Bible that is based off of, of faulty manuscripts. It, it is, it is has been conceived out of biblical unbelief and this is what people are being fed anymore in churches and in institutions in, in christian institutions like the one i attend and it's unfortunate and it makes me sad and i pray that that things will turn around uh, don't want to be too much of a pessimist though i mean there are good things going i have met uh, fellow students at this institution that are fairly like-minded uh hopefully i i pray that they'll some of them will begin to see in the inconsistency of believing in biblical inerrancy and yet still reading out of an ESV or NIV Bible. But for me, it seems to be uh, the most difficult thing to convince people on for some reason, even though I feel like it's very straightforward study. I mean, I, I find myself a very reasonable, logical, realistic person, and I feel like the arguments speak for themselves. Uh, something I should cover in depth on this podcast one time is modern Bible translations. I have a, I have a lot of notes on that I, sh I should look at. Uh, anyway, I am way past my time, so my time has expired, and uh, I don't, nobody listens to this anyway, so why would I keep you any longer than I need to? I appreciate you listening to me rant for a long time. There's going to be a lot of that in these locked-in episodes. Uh, again, for the reason that I'm going to come in a lot of conflict with this institution, uh, I also am going to have to be very careful not to say the name of the institution or anyone that goes there. Just as a disclaimer, again, disclaimer, these are my views and opinions of the institution. I do not consider myself at this time a representative of this institution, which I'm not going to name because I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, and again, not all bad things. There are good things. I love the basketball program at this institution. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I love basketball. Uh, the coaching is tremendous. The, the, the time I get to spend on the court, I love it. Everything, all that's great. Uh, some of the professors are tremendous. A lot of the classes, I, I know they have a really good business department. I don't know because I'm not a business major, but I know they have a very good business department. I'm not saying everything about this institution is bad. I'm just merely expressing my disappointment in the fact that this is a self-proclaimed Christian institution that uh, openly, at least the ministry department, which of course is the important one when it concerns the Bible, uh, openly uh, denies 
openly, I guess, how would I say? I would say attacks, honestly, because they do. They have attacked the King James Bible, which is interesting why King James onlyists, uh, why see people seem to have such a harsh reaction to King James onlyism and to the King James Bible. Interesting. Anyway, side note, talk about that later. But uh, this is an institution that professes to be Christian and yet uh, ascribes to the doctrine of biblical fallibility, which is an inconsistency, wouldn't you say? Hashtag philosophy. Thank you for listening. And as always, until next time.